0: Welcome, folks to another edition of Smith and Jones Eric Smith, Paul Jones, with you. make sure you subscribe to the Smith and Jones podcast as well wherever you get your podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or otherwise. download, subscribe, rate, and review with fresh content every thursday like you 've got right now it 's seven o 'clock Eastern right here on sportsnet five hundred ninety the fan and jonesy we 've been hooking up with a ton. Of former Toronto Raptors over the course of this season, and we've got another great one right now, one of the all-time fan favorites. He's currently a special advisor to the front office of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But we know him from the Ocho Special. Number eight, and number one in so many people's hearts as well, Jose Calderon. Jose, it's always great chatting with you. I wanna I wanna just mention something to you off the off the bat here. A couple of days ago, and I think Jonesy, you saw this as well. Um, we were chatting about it a couple of nights ago during one of our broadcasts, I believe, or maybe even before we were on the air. I put out just kind of a fun little thing on Twitter, a tweet the other day, Jose, um, asking Raptor fans, because I had had a conversation with a buddy of mine, who are some of the Raptor players that you remember most having their jersey, either when you were a kid, when you were younger, when you were becoming a Raptors fan, whatever it may be, no matter what age you are now, outside of like, okay, we all know, and you know, we, I don't mean this disrespectfully or whatever to anybody, but we all know that people had their Vince Carter jerseys and they had the Kyle jerseys and, and DeMar or Kawhi and whatnot. In this era right now, it's Van Vliet. It's, it's Siakam, but like, who are some of the other guys that you remember really supporting and really having the Jersey of an, and loved wearing. And Jose, if you weren't number one in the replies, you were easily top three, the amount of people that, and I had like no joke, hundreds of replies Like, thousands of interactions with this tweet. And time and time again, I would open that up and then, boom, Jose Calderon. Here's a picture of me with my Calderon jersey. I loved Calderon. Here's my Spanish edition jersey of the Raptors. Like, what do you think it was, Jose, about you, the way you played, your personality? What was it that you think drew you to the fan base so much and the fan base drew themselves to you as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think it was both ways. Um, I think the way I arrived, uh, maybe in the time that I arrived to the team, um, I think they understood what I, or who I was from the beginning. So I felt really comfortable on, like, you know, I was there to learn from my language, from English to, to basketball. And I think it's kind of like I grew up, um, uh, with the city. So I think the fans, I, I guess they felt that way that, you know, I was always putting the team first, um and that's, that's the love and the uh, that I you know feel for, for the city still and, and and that I feel from you know from the fans that some or a lot of them kind of like a grow up with me as well you know as a kid I was maybe the first guy who who was there running the the, the in the point guard position and you know and, and a lot of those guys you know now are the ones who got those jerseys and talk about uh, Jose Calderon uh, as a raptor player
2: Jose, we've always had or seemingly always had issues with some of the American guys coming to Canada. It just seemed to be for a long time an issue uh, with their families or they just felt they were going to another country. As an international player and traveling the world, playing in all these different countries, did you kind of have this feeling when you came to Canada looking at your American teammates and the Americans who maybe didn't like or didn't know Toronto as much? Did you kind of have, how much did you have this feeling that, hey, what's the big deal? It's a great city. Like How much did you take that on and try to show them? Because you had you had seen the world as a basketball player.
1: Yeah, and I think it's always two ways of looking at things. Um, we always can look at what we used to it and we always look to the negative part of being in a different country or you can take the positives and for me it was that approach from the beginning so yes i saw like a they, they don't have the same restaurants here they don't have this here i mean yeah there is other amazing things that you don't have in us and you gotta adjust to what you have and and make the best out of it so for me it was that i mean yes i miss spain yes i miss my friends, a different kind of culture. But I think that was another challenge as well. And it's a, a challenge that I was willing to, to take on and, and be ready and, and have fun uh, doing it. Um, and that was, uh, it has been my approach. But not only because Canada was a different country. Every time I was switching teams, in every city the, the, the life is different, the culture is different. It's not the same living in LA than living in New York or living in uh, Detroit. And you just adjust. So it's not about the country, it's about how you approach those changes, and, uh, and that's what I felt. Like For me, it was an opportunity to, to live in a multicultural uh, city that really you know, helped me a lot from the beginning.
0: Jose, it's interesting you, you say that, because I love... <laughs> Jonesy, yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll back me on this. I love that it's coming from you and not from myself or from Paul, because one of the things we've talked about for years in doing post-game shows and interacting with fans and whatnot is that it isn't necessarily the city it's the opportunity to win. It's the comfort with the organization. It you know, and, and the reason I bring that up, Jose, we've talked so many times over the years about it's cold in Boston, it's cold in Chicago, but it didn't seem to matter to Larry Bird, to Michael Jordan. It's nice, beautiful weather in Orlando. But how long have the Magic been a team that has struggled? And hopefully they're starting to turn things around now. For years, for years, Golden State was not a place that people wanted to go. Suddenly they started winning. They started winning championships. People wanted to go to Oakland, to San Francisco. So it really does come down to what you were just talking about, the fit being the right thing. So whether, as you said, Detroit or you know, Toronto or Cleveland or wherever, what's the fit and what's the opportunity to win as opposed to weather and all the other intangibles, right?
1: Totally, totally. And I think at the end of the day, uh, that's why it's so important, the culture that you create in your team. Uh, the chemistry, the atmosphere that's around the team. I think that's why, you know, most teams are, you know, uh, taking care of like, uh, I think it's better to have an amazing organization all around because I think that is more important than anything else. Yes, yeah, you can have, like you say, the best weather in the world, but at the end of the day, if you're not great as organization, one, you know, when to win and, you know, people are going to realize that they prefer to be somewhere else. Uh, you guys are with the team most of the time. So how much stuff can I do? during the season in a great we- weather city than I can do in Toronto. Like, you know, we travel a lot, we practice, we go back home, uh, we got another game, we fly the game. So there is not like you have a ton of, you know, of, of, of time that you can spend going, I don't know, to the beach uh, or something like that. So so I think it's, it's come down to uh, being a good place where they like you, where you are a fit, where you can help to win a championship and win games. And I think that is more important than anything else right now.
2: Jose, you were here through the good and the bad. Um, when did you feel that things were going to change? I know that, you know, the management change with Brian Colangelo and and the coaching change with, with with Sam uh, and all. Like you saw it go from really bad to, all of a sudden we're in the playoffs and we were right there with a team like like New Jersey that one year. I still remember, Jose. If that pass of yours is a little higher on that lob, on the entry, a little higher to CB, to Bosch, maybe things are a little bit different. I, that one that one really kind of sticks sticks in my mind, but talk to me about the change you saw over the course of your time here with the organization when you went from a team that, yeah, people did, maybe didn't respect to all of a sudden now you're a playoff team.
1: Yeah, and I think it was about just being patient and, and adding the right people and the right kind of players that they were willing to to, to put the team first, and and after it's like you know we have great guys to build around you know and you got a Chris Boss guy who who was getting better every year and that makes things you know it, it, it was making things easier for everyone so I think it was about that I think it was about uh, a little bit you know you it's tough to just change a team or a culture from one year to another you gotta go step by step but I think we were doing the right steps and it was it was that it was adding the right personalities the right the right people and and that's how we were growing and we were playing a better basketball and I really felt like the, the fans were uh, feeling that too and they were part of the process and I know they, this process war is uh, <laughs> kind of like everywhere now but but I think it is, it is what it is, it's just uh, you're going, you're going and uh, you're going to have the, some bad years or or not so good year in a winning uh, column but that doesn't mean you're not improving.
0: Jose, let me just ask you kind of a big picture philosophical thing, and, and I want to be clear: I'm not necessarily talking about your current role with the Cavaliers, more just as a as a as a as a player, as a fan of the game. When you step back yeah. and 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 sort of look at it big picture, would you? Everybody wants to win a championship, whether you're a fan cheering for it, whether you're a player actually competing for it. Would you take the one championship in a decade in a 20-year span and struggling to climb that hill again? Or would you take maybe you never win the championship, but you're in the playoffs every year, 10 straight years, 8 out of 10 years, you're in there, you're in a first round, you're in a conference finals, you're competing, you're right on the brink. And even though you never really punch through, you're always at the dance, you always have a chance How do you kind of see that in terms of approaching it, whether it be as a player, as management, as a fan, you know, going for it and always competing or, you know, just having that maybe one short window in time but then struggling many other years?
1: I mean, a championship, uh, Eric, is so hard to come by. I mean, championships are, is well, how much work you got to put to stay there. So that that's tough too. Even if we all want to compete every year, but if you're telling me we're gonna be there all the time and no winning, I maybe have to take the championship. And after trying to do it sometime ever, because it's so hard, you gotta put so many pieces gotta be in place from management to the team to coach to everybody who work around the organization. So and and at the end of the day, like if you start looking at what the Raptors did, that maybe just because maybe the the team is you know. Uh, it was good for 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 a few years and after it was bad and and, and good again and after you get a championship and now you are in a, a couple of years where you're not that good I don't know if, if guys want to prefer to win every time in a playoff but and not getting that that championship I think it's tough to to take that away even if you're gonna take another 12 years to win another one um, it is tough it is tough not to win um, mm-hmm. you know but but I mean, uh, it is tough to, to question, but, uh, but I would say like a championship, you know, even if you got a struggle, when you do it once, I think you got the right, um, ingredients or, or knowledge to know how to do it again. And now you just got to be patient to, to, to being able to do it.
2: Hey, Jose, how have you seen, uh, you know, you're not too far retired, but how have you seen the game kind of change over the last little while and, and. Does it look more, this is the question that I see, does it look more like the game that you played in international basketball?
1: Uh, Yes and no. Uh, I think international basketball is still a little bit more of control at some time. I think what we see now with more uh, you know, uh, more threes because of all the numbers and the stats and and stuff like that that would change a little bit. But at the same time, I think it's generational. I think there is this generation of players where they can do a little bit of everything. And maybe there is not that many players that uh, used to be that they were able to play in the post, you know, that everybody, people think about it, but I got the, the feeling like if, we, if you have like, I don't know, I don't know, like next year in the draft, you got like 12, uh, you know, Joel and Beach or guys who are so good inside. Uh, and I'm telling you that those guys will play back to the basket again. game. So, so what I saw is like yes, it's faster. People can do more things. There is more guys who can do uh, a few things on the court. And sometimes you don't have to be elite at any of them, but being able to to play different positions and being able to help the team in different situations. Um, I think that's what I see that the, the the most change. I think in our years, everybody was a little bit more of a probably a role player in a sense, and you could do I don't know. Uh, it it was more difficult. No? Now all the switches. All day, everybody playing different—you know—point forwards and point centers, and everybody that—that that was more difficult to see uh, years ago.
0: Jose, at the at the risk of asking a very similar question, the big man specifically, like if you think of not that not that there isn't one in even in your backyard, if not a couple in your backyard, in, in Jared Allen uh, or Evan Mobley, but when we think about some of the elite bigs in the game. You just mentioned the name of Joel Embiid, obviously Nikola Jokic. Um, The NHL went through this in the National Hockey League, Jonesy, what, 30 years ago or so, maybe longer, with the uh, the influx of of not just the European players, but specifically the Russian players. And there was a lot of talk in Canada and the U.S. about are the North American players as skilled as the Russians that are coming over that are playing in the National Hockey League now as the international players. And I know that question has been brought up a lot, in the NBA in the last couple of years, especially with the bigs, are the American, are the North American bigs as versatile as ball handlers, as shooters, as scorers, as defenders, as seemingly so many of the international guys?
1: I think they're just different, like I say, I think it is. we are in a generation where these European guys, uh, they can do different things. Why is that? I don't know if that's where, you know, the they, they way... It's a generation. It's just like the kind of players that we have now. Uh, it is a way of the way we play now that is affecting, uh, you know, college or or even lower basketball here in the U.S. as well. But but I think it's you know like I said at the end of the day it's it's, it's not just the, the big guys. I think right now it's tough to find guys who cannot play in two positions or um, everybody is able to do a, a, you know a few things. There is not only a point guard or only a two. There is that many combo guys can play two positions. the three and fours are uh, they can play both positions. I think there is so many uh, guys who can play in different ways that and I think it's more about that uh, uh, why these euro guys are able to do it I don't know if it is because of more of a team orientated basketball sometimes that we play in Europe uh, in early ages than, than here but uh, but that's what I see yeah.
2: Jose, when you talk about that, and this is something that I, I'm not sure all of our our folks in North America understand that the youngsters uh, in Europe, the, like somebody like yourself, you started very young going to, you know, a, 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 like a basketball academy. You were identified young and you, you learned the way to play. You learned the system. Uh, how much do you think we could benefit from some of that over here in north america i mean i look at a guy like Jokic, who's come over and just done a fabulous job um you know just just kind of translating the game he, he's not athletic uh he, he, he's not fast he doesn't really jump but he's a guy that can control the game because he's been taught from a young age
1: yeah like i said like the difference will be like you know, and, and, and I left uh, my house when I was 13 years old. That's when I signed with my team. But uh, the difference is that there is no, we don't have like a college basketball there. There is no league in the middle. It's always a club, and it could be. It's like soccer. It's Real Madrid, it's Barcelona, it's, uh, many other teams who they already have the under 20, and the 19, and the 15, all the way down to like a youth kids, you know, eight years old. So it's almost like you developing your own club. They, they, they learn, you know, you start learning what the system is, what they want from you. Instead of like here, that is more, maybe more in the individual way of like first the parents got to go to one team to another, and after the AAU programs and have to go to college. So, <clears throat> sorry. So, you know, it's kind of uh, so many coaches and different systems that when you get to the league, maybe depend on which system or which college or, or, or coach. You play one way or another instead of like being able to develop as a team player or a system and working in through that
0: Jose, last question for you here. Um, take me back to that 13 year old kid for a second or even even the 15 year old or take me back to when you were first coming overseas to to join the Raptors. Did you then have in your mind or at what point maybe Jose in your mind, did you think you know what? I'm going to be a coach one day. Or, you know what, I'm going to work for the Players Association one day. Or, you know what, I'm going to work in management one day. When did this all kind of become an idea, let alone a reality for you?
1: No, I think this came, I think when you are like a a player, I think uh, first uh, my dream was to play in the NBA. And and even before that, my my dream was to play in the first division in in Spain. And after being in the national team and representing my country and and the NBA at the beginning was so far for me. I never thought that I was gonna be able to get to to play against those amazing players, and and I was able to do it. Uh, the other part came later, I think. You know, uh, you guys know me, but my my last few years before I, I retired, I was already you know getting uh, studying, doing a lot of things when I was in the hotels and the planes and getting ready for what was next, my next chapter, and and being ready for that transition because at the end of the day. You know, I was 39, 30, 38, 39 years old when I retired. And, I mean, I have half of my life ahead of me. And um, it, it's not about, like, we. sometimes you, you hear it's not about money or how much you make or how, you know, whatever. Uh, it's about you cannot just be 40 more years just sitting in your house or not doing something just because of that. that's how I am. So I was ready for that. Uh, coach was something that I was pretty clear that I didn't want to, but just because of my family. Uh, they spent even more time than, than players, uh, they have to be there, the first one. They leave the last one. You gotta you cannot disconnect because you got to watch the game before, the game after. So that's why for me it was more about working with the player association, being management in this front office role, uh, just because it got a little bit more of flexibility and I was going to be able to mix with my family uh, a little bit better than, than being a coach.
0: Jose, awesome stuff, man. We love chatting with you. Thanks for this.
1: Thanks, Jose. Oh, any Anytime. Thank you, guys. I love it.
0: Always, always love chatting with Jose Calderon. Um, Jonesy, I, I want to I bring the, the, the listeners into just a tiny little portion of an off-microphone, uh, off offline chat that we had um, just prior to, 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 to chatting with Calderon on this show. You were chatting about during COVID. You started doing Duolingo and and learning Spanish now I can't even fathom at my age let alone your age. Hold on hold on, hold on hold on. What, what, what Hold on.
2: I need a, I need a qualifier. Trying to learn Spanish. Okay. And you know if you right. if you don't use it it doesn't go anywhere. So.
0: Well and this is the thing my, as, as I was just my was Spanish saying, respect to you. My Spanish is you. as good
2: as yours right now. My Spanish <laughs> no, is as good as yours.
0: No right no no no. It's it's at least. A percent better, if not 10 percent better, because mine is like zero. Because I can't imagine trying to tackle a, a, a language right now at at, at – I'll throw us together, even though you're a little older. At our age, at our age, I can't yeah. imagine. So kudos to you. But it made me think, and, and Jose touched on it a little bit right towards the end there, even when he was talking about leaving home at 13. But when he came over here, and I asked him about that, coming over, and, and you know, when did the idea of being a coach or management pop into your brain – I still remember the stories of him coming over when Rob Babcock you know, was the one that, that signed him and, ev- and eventually Jose makes his way to Canada to Toronto. He barely spoke a lick of English. Like, I don't no. even know if I could pick up right now and, and start my life anew in Memphis, let alone to Barcelona and not knowing a word of the language. Like, I, I can't – it just boggles my mind what some of these players are able to do at such a young age, especially when it factors into moving across the world and having to learn a new language. It's, I find that beyond impressive.
3: It is.
2: It is impressive. And, uh, I mean, I, all the time when um, Jose and Garbo and Bargnani and all of the international players we had save for guys like Rosho Nisterovic who had been established was on his you know third or fourth team when he was with the Raptors but watching them learn the language and knowing that Jose was going to English classes after practice was over um you know you you, you hear his fluency now and his understanding it's it really is something else and I just thought of my my days as a school educator, as a, a teacher and a principal, second language learners, um, yeah. and 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 how you pick up on it and the cues and the things you use, and and then there's a whole other language to basketball. Well,
0: it's that's English. that's where I was trying to set you up a little bit too, because yeah. that's one of the things Jose said to you offline was you trying to learn Spanish and how you've applied it into even just golfing with certain people that might speak Spanish, sports really does bring out the language and you start to learn certain words, certain phrases because of just playing a sport.
2: Absolutely. And, and uh, I mean, I marvel at looking at, at Jose and all of the international players. Uh, you know, you stick a microphone in front of them and throw English words that, heck, we have trouble Saying, understanding, and they're able to be coherent and give us uh, great answers and, and, and express their feelings. That that takes a lot, and I I really I really tip my hat to them. And um, you know that it's it's what the game does. So it's it's the great thing about again you know sport unifying people.
0: All right, I'm trying to think of a good segue, but I can't come up with one, so we're just going to shift to our next guest, and we always love chatting with uh, Howard Beck because he's as plugged in as any around the league and uh, always love hooking up with him. Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. Howard, I guess I'll hit you right off the bat here. Uh, We're two weeks away, like two weeks to the day to the NBA trade deadline. I'll let you pick the team (laughs) or or wherever you want to start, but do you anticipate – you know, quite a bit of movement in the next 14 days, or is it going to be one of those sort of quiet ones where it it, it comes
3: and goes without much bang? Like, what what do you expect, Howard? Uh, I don't know what to expect, I'll be honest. I really don't. Um, There are no shortage of teams that could use a shot in the arm. You know, whether it's a big piece, small piece, peripheral piece, a little bit of just, you know, a backup center, whatever. You can go through, especially the presumed contenders in both conferences, and find plenty of teams that – you know, not you know one player away is, is too big of a, of a statement, but you know, just need that little extra um, support in the rotation or a tweak here or there. The problem is finding sellers, and the problem is that we have a year where we have the most parity that maybe we've ever had, and it just doesn't you know give you a lot of teams that are prepared to sit back and, and start selling off parts for future picks, and you know, that, that may inhibit the market, but the problem is that every year around this time, we try to read what we think the market will be based on factors like this. We talk to GMs, we talk to, you know, decision makers around the league, and they'll try to project themselves. And then even the guys who are in the midst of these discussions don't always read it correctly. So, you know, if I had to to make a prediction and I hate making predictions, but I would predict that things will be kind of calm relative to most years and I say that knowing full well that I may like badly badly regret that, and who knows we may have have fireworks over the next two weeks or on the deadline day itself um but i don't I don't expect it, and I think there's no reason to expect it right now, like we're certainly here we here we go again, I'm about to regret saying this we're not getting anything the lines along the lines of James Harden for Ben Simmons as we got a year ago
2: Howard, how much do you think the the uh the new structure has changed that like there are teams right now I, I look at the raptors as as we record this kind of hanging around that playoff line at you know 10 11 12 and you're jockeying with teams and you're passing each other every day and you're watching the standings or at least the fans are anyway um but those teams now at 10 11 12 even the nba kind of got what it it wanted they're, they're not tanking They might they might be thinking Hey, man, if I could just get on the dance floor and it'll be good experience for guys and it uh, gets us another maybe another home date or keeps the the interest level high with the fans for season tickets next year. And the NBA kind of got what they wanted with no tanking. And you talked about not having sellers. Maybe this is part of the reason.
3: It's all related. It, it's all it's all connected. Uh, the league did you know two major things over the last whatever four or five years they tweaked the lottery odds to make tanking less incentivized you know they even out the odds uh, at the top of the board there so it's no longer 25% chance of getting the top pick if you had the worst record now it's whatever 14% for the worst record the second worst record and the third worst record and so there's less of the race to the bottom and they flattened you know throughout that that you know bottom eight to 10 teams or whatever and so there's less incentive to tank there's that and then they created coming out of uh the bubble they decided to make the play in tournament a permanent thing and so now there's teams incentivized to try to keep winning to chase what is essentially the 10th spot and just to be in the play-in and so now if you're 11th or you're 12th or even if you're 13th as the lakers are right now you still have reason to try to win now because nothing ever feels out of reach on top of that um based on factors that we can't even describe right there's a, there's the plan there's the lottery odds and then there's just happenstance like there's no other there's no one reason why there's only six and a half games separating the second place grizzlies from the ninth place warriors <laughs> like uh excuse me seven games separating them so like that's that's not that big a span like anybody gets on a three, four, five game winning streak at the right time. And they could be jumping, you know, through half the standings. Some of it's just happenstance, but all of that combined uh, gives us a couple different things. One is a, a kind of parody that I feel like was Adam Silver's biggest fantasy back, you know, even in the, even when he was deputy commissioner and they were creating the, the new CBA during the lockout in 2011, and they talked about wanting more competitive balance. Well, this may be kind of what it looks like. But the other outcome of that is, of course, that, yes, we get to a time like this during the year and you you don't necessarily see a lot of market activity. And, and, you know, the basketball matters first, but people love trades and they love trade rumors. And it would be kind of a bummer uh, kind of consequence if we don't have as much trade activity because of all the parity.
0: Howard, uh, I'm going to reference the Toronto Raptors again, as Jonesy just did, and it's not because this is a Canadian-based and Toronto-based you know, show, podcast, et cetera, it's because these are the stories and the reports and the rumors that are out there. I mean, even in recent, uh, what, last week, week and a half, lots of chatter out there that, You know, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, the Raptors are almost controlling the trade deadline because if they move this guy or if they move that guy or if they decide to keep this player or that player, the domino effects that could or could not come across the league may ultimately be, as I say then, controlled by what Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri ultimately decide. What do you think happens with the Raptors?
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting theory that they kind of control the market because of, of all the obvious things. They have a bunch of talent. They have a bunch of talent that a lot of teams would want. And they're in a position where it looks like they should pivot and try something new because all that talent isn't working well together for whatever reason. But I, I I'm skeptical of the idea that they control the market because any, any one team could just decide to make a splash on its own. Anyway, if the Pacers just decide, you know what, we love our young backcourt, but we do think it's time to move off of Buddy Heald or Miles Turner. Like, they could, they could just go do that, and, and that, that might kickstart the market. The Hawks could finally trade John Collins, and maybe that starts the market. Um, you know, whatever the, else the Lakers might attempt to do. Uh, like, there's, there's so many other possibilities. I do think that the Raptors, you know, as we sit here now, five games under five hundred you know, a a roster that a lot of people look at and think this, you know, I I would love to have a bunch of these guys and maybe even all of these guys. So they're underachieving by definition because expectations were reasonably higher, rationally higher. And when that happens, you have to assess and you have to, to to make some decisions about, you know, your, your chemistry and and your direction. I don't know what that ultimately means, whether it's some minor moves or some major ones for them. Um, Nobody really knows across the league, what, what Messiah and Bobby will ultimately do there, but it it, it certainly could have a major impact on the market. I don't want to say, go to the extent of saying that they're, they're going to set the market. They control the market. They're holding everything up. I don't, I think that's a little of an exaggeration in my view, but I do think that they could have a massive impact on the next couple of weeks because they do have so much talent that other teams want. The, the trick is always the details, right? You got to figure out what, what the deal is, right? Like, you know, every team would love to have OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, and a lot of teams would love to have Fred VanVleet or Gary Trent Jr., but, you know, there, there's no deal until there's a deal, and, and I don't, you know, no, no one can say for sure what it will cost to, to pry any of those two pieces loose if they come loose.
2: Howard, who are you looking for to be the biggest kind of mover shaker? I mean, we, we look at the Lakers who have played very well the last little while, but still aren't making up any ground. Anthony Davis has been back recently. And I mean, how long he stays healthy is another issue. Might they be one of the teams or is there somebody else that comes to top of mind that says, you know what? I'm looking for these guys to do something.
3: It's hard to pick any one team because a bunch of teams have different incentives and some of them, it's just more curiosity, right? Like, uh, you know, the Sacramento Kings are having this renaissance season and they're third in the West, but are they really ready to contend? Probably not. Are they content to then wait for their guys to just continue to gel and evolve and they've got a young roster and, you know, this is all this is all found money now. We don't have to make any moves. Well, but what if you decide, you know what, this is the time to be aggressive. You know, we're, 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 we're ahead of the game. Let's go all in. Let, let's make a deal. I, I, I don't know if they would do that, but they could. The New Orleans Pelicans you know, starting to get healthy. Brandon Ingram's back. Zion will be back before too long. They're having a Renaissance season, uh, though they're they've lost six in a row right now because of, of the injuries and, and just the, the rocky nature of their season. But they've also got a bunch of draft picks. Thanks to the Lakers. Primarily they've got a, a lot of stuff they could do if they want to make a, a kind of consolidating move of players and picks for an impact player, but that impact player has to be available. So, um, I think I'm still more interested in the Lakers than anybody at this time of year just because, you know, they, they made a mi- minor move with the Rui Hachimura acquisition. It's fine deal, you know, but, you know, it's not changing the world. If they're going to salvage the season and make their playoffs meaningful and make LeBron's, you know, 20th season meaningful, they've still got work to do. So I think I've probably still got an eye on them and those future first-round picks that they're holding on to like gold more than anything.
0: Always love chatting with Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. We appreciate his time. Again, folks, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. download, subscribe, rate, and review. And when we continue, you've probably been saying, hey, what do these guys think about the all-star starters that were announced? We will give you our take and maybe kind of tease a little bit, hint ahead to next week in terms of who we might have as reserves as well. We'll talk all-star and All-Stars, and the All-Star Weekend coming up in a few weeks in Utah when we continue on Smith and Jones. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Thanks again to Jose Calderon and Howard Beck for joining us. The NBA All-Star starters, Jonesy, announced as well. So we want to dive into that. So if you haven't heard already, I mean... If you're an NBA fan, if you're a Raptors fan, but definitely if you're a basketball fan in general, you should know. You should have the information. But we're going to give it to you again right now. And then I know it's your favorite game every year, Jonesy, because you're probably going to give me 14 names, and then I'm going to yell at you to make sure you pare it down and give me seven. Do you want to give all starters first or, or go east and then reserves and then west and then What do you want to do? How do you want to break it down?
2: Um. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not prepared to give my reserves yet. I need more time. Oh
0: my! How much time like, do you it's need, It's gonna. Man. It's gonna.
2: You're gonna. You're, you're gonna. You're okay. You had you know one what? homework assignment. Be man. Give you, uh, because I do it properly. Like I just consider everything. So. So did I. All right, let's I'm go ready. with the starters first. Let's. All right. Eastern let's conference the starters. starters. First.
0: Eastern conference starters. Team captain. And it was apparently nip and tuck back and forth up until right, uh, right until the uh, 11th hour, I suppose, between Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Giannis is the team captain. So Giannis, and you've got Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell. So again, as they did years ago, the NBA's gone to the three forwards, two guards. You don't need to have a center in there. So it's three forwards, Durant, and Antetokounmpo, Tatum and the two guards in the backcourt, Kyrie Irving and Donovan Mitchell. Um, Again, this is weighted between media and fans and the voting and whatnot, Jonesy. I personally don't have a problem with any of these selections.
2: No, I'm good with all of those. Um, And I'm glad that, and this is something that you and I had talked about uh, eons ago, that the fact that the fan vote uh doesn't override everything because we had you know some guys getting in on the basis of it, just internet popularity even though they weren't really worthy of all-star selections but i'm i'm okay with these and and the way that uh the way that the voting is gone i'm i'm good with that
0: okay now do you want to go west starters or do you want to dive into the reserves for the east how, how, how do you want to do this because i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna uh, give you mine because i was prepared i did my homework
2: Oh, uh, uh, you're going to say my 14 names aren't good enough for you, so um, <laughs> let's go with the West starters. Let's okay, go West, the West starters. starters
0: then, West starters, team captain, it was never really in doubt, LeBron James, along with Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and I think a bit of a surprise, considering the amount of games he's missed, even though his numbers are still gaudy, but I believe it's, what, 12 games, I believe, as of the time that we're we're chatting right now? Zion Williamson. So LeBron James, team captain with Luka Jancic, Steph Curry in the backcourt, and then up front with LeBron, Nikola Jokic, and Zion Williamson.
2: Yeah, again, you know, Zion gets into me because of the popularity part of it, right? Like, he's missed a lot of games, but he's electrifying he's exciting he's a number one pick people want to see that and so he's he's part of the game so i'm i'm good with that for the most part i don't i don't have an issue um but again it's you know it is the popularity contest and you know when we go through our reserves these are the guys that i think it means more at times i mean not that it wouldn't mean anything to a donovan mitchell because he's played like an all-star and the coaches probably would have voted him in or they probably would have voted a, you know had a, a the popularity knocked Kyrie Irving out and not I mean you look at the way the guy's playing you know he's the reason why the Nets are where they are and, and we talk about it all the time coaches game plan for guys they know who they're trying to stop so um, but the reserves and and the way those guys are voted in by the coaches I think that means something
0: yeah, no I know I know we have that same conversation every year that it might even mean a little bit more coming from the coaches. That said, if somebody were to sneak into the starters because of a popularity contest, then you can pretty much all but guarantee that those that quote unquote got snubbed as starters are 100% going to be there as reserves cuz the coaches are not going to I mean Jones if there's a guy that's right on the on the borderline on the brink of being a starter He's 100% going to be a reserve. Really, the snubs, if it's even fair to call it that, each year are those that are on the reserve bubble, right? There's nobody that's ever like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this guy should be a starter. And then he doesn't even get named to a reserve. Like, that's unheard of. It's more those guys that are on that bubble right at towards the bottom of, ooh, okay, we got those two wild card spots. Now we've got our two extra guards. We've got our three extra forwards. We've got two spots left. It could be a guard. It could be a forward a front-court player, who's it going to be? And that's where you run into the quote-unquote snubs or, again, the guys that are, that are right on the brink, right on the bubble. And that's where I think Pascal Siakam might find himself right now. And I'm not saying he's going to be yeah. on the outside. Uh, I think he's on the bubble. He's right there on the edge, right on the edge.
2: And, and what causes him to be right there on the edge is Toronto being five games under 500. Yeah. I mean, we, let's, let's go back to a, 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 an earlier date and time where we had this discussion about Chris Bosch when the playoffs were eight teams and the Raptors were 10th, 11th, and Chris was putting up great numbers. You know, winning has to do with it. It has a lot to do with it. And, you know, it's, hey, we're going to get down to that argument in about, what, six games. When LeBron James breaks the record and people say, wow, well, this makes him the greatest of all time. Well, you got arguments for other people that it might make him, make him the greatest statistically of all time with all the numbers involved. He might be, he would be certainly on by Mount Rushmore when it comes to uh, the greatest skilled players of all time. But if the name of the game is winning, maybe there are other guys that have been, as skilled or arguably as skilled, but have one more, let the debate begin.
0: So here's, here's the interesting team, for me at least, that also plays an impact. Actually, I'll give you two teams. Could Maybe even give you three, but I'll give you two that I think are going to have an impact.
2: I can give you two. I can give you two. Go ahead. In the the East. Miami
0: Heat, because one. there's not one player on that team, to me, that truly stands out as, man, he is having an incredible all-star year. They're playing well. They're 4-5 up on 500. they They're a playoff team. But I don't know if I would give Bam the nod ahead of Jimmy Butler or Butler ahead of Bam, but I will say they need an all-star. You can't be a top playoff seed, not even play in, and not have an all-star. So from that standpoint alone, I'm putting Jimmy Butler in. I'm, I'm giving him the nod head of Bam, and there's nobody else on that team, so it's Jimmy Butler for me. Well,
2: yeah, the other team, I, I, I mean, go I, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I had Butler, I had Butler and Bam the same way. I had a Butler slash Bam because they are sixth, and but you look at the games played and all of those things factor in. But they're going to get a guy. They're going to get a guy.
0: So, the Knicks are going to get a guy, and I'm giving it to Julius Randle, not Jalen Brunson.
2: See, I'm giving so, it to Jalen Brunson. Okay.
0: Okay. And and listen, that uh, may or I'm may giving not impact Brunson. And and that may or may not impact Pascal if that takes a forward spot, if I'm going with Randall, unless Pascal's in one of those wildcard spots. Now but they're they're not getting two though, right? Jones, They're only getting one.
2: They're not getting two. I and okay. that's why I had I had Brunson in. Randall had a question mark, but yeah. I had Pascal in. And maybe that's my Uh, I see the guy every night bias on Siakam as opposed to Julius Randle, to me, is a good player. He doesn't always make his teammates better, and I've talked Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that sometimes passing is a last resort.
0: Okay.
2: I have nothing else to do, so I'm going to pass the ball.
0: So do you have Trey Young in?
2: I have Trey Young in.
0: Okay. Do you have anybody from Indiana?
2: I have a question mark beside Benedict Matherin.
0: Benedict Matherin, wow, yeah, okay, youngster. So not even Tyrese Halliburton.
2: He's been f- oh, oh, Halliburton is in. Sorry, yeah, he's on the other side. Halliburton slash Matherin in. question mark. Hmm. Yeah, Halliburton's in. He's in. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so so listen, That's, we could go through. I'm up to fourteen now, right?
0: Yeah, well, you're getting pretty close. Because because <laughs> I'll give you, listen, I'll give you my seven, okay? I'll give these because I've locked mine in. I've locked mine. I'll even tweet okay. this. Mine are locked in. I'm not going to change this, okay? My reserves are guards, Trey Young, James Harden. Yes. Front court, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown. He's a guard forward. So that's my three forwards, Embiid, Butler, Brown, which leaves my two wild cards as Pascal Siakam and Julius Randle. So missing the cut for me, notable players, Halliburton. And if he hadn't got hurt, he's in there. But I think he's going to be hurt right up until the reserves are announced next week and maybe even into the All-Star weekend, so I'm, I'm cutting him already. Jalen Brunson. And then maybe could we sit here and argue over Kyle Kuzma, DeMar DeRozan, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday. Those are the only other guys that I thought of. So, I, again, I'm going Young, Harden, and Embiid, Butler, Brown, Siakam, Randall.
2: Okay, so I had Young, Harden, and Embiid. Yep. Bam slash Butler. Right. One of those two guys, although Bam's missed more games, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um,
0: then you had uh, Randall slash Brunson.
2: Halliburton in. Yeah, I uh, had a question mark beside Matherin because the kids played really well. I don't know if he deserves yeah. to be an All Star, but there was like a soft spot in my heart for a Canadian kid who's played very well. Yeah, and then I have Bru- I have I have Pascal Brunson. Those are my two okay. kind right. of right. wild card okay, so
0: guys. Y- you, you did better now, than I, I thought. Will say, you didn't give me as many names.
2: I will say. Well, I didn't read the whole list. He's missed a lot of games, but how does Milwaukee only have one All Star?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Drew Holiday's played extremely well. Brooke Lopez might be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, but I don't know—is he an All-Star? And then Chris. No, I, I would have Holiday eh,
2: No, yeah. no, he's eh. missed too many games. I would have Holiday in as if there was another Milwaukee Buck. I would have I would have Drew Holiday as as the guy.
0: Okay, we've only got like three minutes, less than three minutes, I think, now to do the Western oh. Conference. You mentioned uh, Benedict Matherin as a as as the Canadian kid. I've got. But he'll be in the rookie
2: sophomore the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. He'll be
2: in the rookie-sophomore game.
0: But I've got a Canadian making the All-Star game. Even though the team's record isn't great, he has been ridiculously awesome. So I'm just going to give it to you right off the bat. These are my locked-in. Locked-in. Guards in the West. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. John Morant. Yeah. Front court or forwards. Laurie Markkinen. Paul George. And this one's a bit of a surprise. Even I was kind of hesitating on this one. Anthony Edwards as a guard forward, and then my two wild cards, Damian Lillard and De'Aaron Fox. So it's a small Western Conference reserves. I've got missing the cut, Jonesy. Give me your, Jaren, give me those
2: again. Give me those again.
0: Ja Morant, Shea Gilgis, Alexander.
2: Okay, we're we're good there.
0: My forward, Lori Markkinen. Lori Markkinen with Paul George and Anthony Edwards. Yep. Yeah. And then my wild cards, Lillard and Fox. Uh, I got Draymond Green missing, Devin Booker missing, CJ McCollum missing. No Jaron Jackson. No Anthony Davis.
2: I I with when I talk about winning records. You got to have Sabonis in there. Hmm. You got to. To me, you got to have Sabonis in there.
0: Wow, um, you're giving two kings. Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I I I mean it might be worthy of two the way they played. Mm-hmm. And the surprise that they've been. Then um, why
0: didn't you? Why wouldn't we have Jamal Murray then with with Jokic?
2: I would be okay with that too. You haven't seen my list. you got like a minute.
0: And, yeah, exactly sixty and, seconds.
2: And 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 the West is so much tougher because do you actually leave a guy like Lillard out? I mean, he's he for for what it's worth. I know they're sitting 12th right now mm-hmm. but as all-star games go as coaches game planning we know they're, they're all trying to stop that guy yeah
0: hey zion williamson's missed 12 games 12 plus games he's a starter and i've got no other pelican right yeah we yeah. gotta fly folks we appreciate you tuning into smith and jones fresh content every thursday at seven o'clock eastern but you can get the pod any time Wherever you get your favorite podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or otherwise, download, subscribe, rate, and review. For Paul Jones, I'm Eric Smith. Thanks for tuning in to Smith and Jones.